We're on a series called Faith, Hope, and Love. And uh, what we're going to do today is, is part two, which is hope. And I'm kind of a hopeful person, so this is something that I, I really like to do and talk about. We're going to basically follow a, a basic structure. I'm going to start by talking about why are we talking about hope? What's the big deal? Then we're going to talk about how hope works, what it means, what it, what, what, what is, how does hope function. Then we're going to talk more specifically about what hope looks like from a Christian perspective, what the Bible says about hope. And then we're going to finish with some examples of how having hope could change our life. So basically four basic things. And through that, we're going to have, I think, some fun slides and things, some things to get started with. So um, I'm going to start with something maybe a bit less interesting. Developmental psychology. Eric Erickson. Uh, we'll, we'll skip this one. Yeah. So this guy right here, uh, I studied him in school. He's a, a developmental psychologist, which means he basically studies how people grow up. And uh, for people here, and he, and he starts from like the little people all the way to like the adults and the people who are aging in old folks' homes. He studies everybody. He's, he, he's passed away now, but he was a, very influential. And he says that people grow up all about the same way, and they grow up by fighting. Not fighting other people, but fighting themselves. Like there's inside of them these conflicts that are happening all the time. They have this kind of... Uh, inner battle that's going on. So if, if, you're a babe, if you're a baby, if you're this little tiny baby, um, zero to one years old, most people will look at a baby, like well, there's Avery right there who just looks gorgeous, and, and, uh, and you look at the baby and think it doesn't really do much. It just smiles, it pees, it, you know, it sleeps, it, you know, it eats. It doesn't really seem to do much. But actually, according to Erickson, a baby is having an inner turmoil of fight at all times. You won't necessarily see it, although if it starts crying, you might hear it. Um, but this turmoil is basically between, and he, he explains it this way, it's between trusting or not trusting. There's two ideas in his head, and the baby's trying to decide if he's going to trust or not trust. So that's why parenting, even with little babies, is super important. Because as you, as you parent the baby, the baby learns to trust or not trust. And if, and according to Erickson, if, you do tr- if, if, the, if the baby learns to trust... There's like an end result, like an achievement that unlocks. Like there's, a, there's a, something that goes bing, and then the baby develops a characteristic, a character trait called hope, which is something that is really important. Because hope means that uh, it's, it's like this attitude of the world is going to be good to me. I'm gonna, it's going to work out. I'm going to keep hope. Even if tough things come, I'll have endurance to make it through it. That's the end result. Out of curiosity, um, elementary school students, it's between believing you can do it or believing you can't do it. So if you feel like today you can't do it, then you're in that fight right now. Or if you feel like you can do it, then good job. Teens, it's identity. Who am I? Big question. Either I'm going to be really confused about who I am or I'm going to know who I am. It goes on and on. We don't, have time to, we don't really have time to go through every little stage, but the last stage, and I think this is the most interesting, the last stage is between integrity and despair. So if you're a, if you've t- retirees, end of life, uh, people who are, who are no longer working. Uh, you might know some people, some parents, some elderly, some elderly people in your life who are at this stage, and they're, the struggle that's going on in, te- in them is, are they going to continue to be who they, they wanted to be? Are they going to have this kind of in- identity, this integrity of who they are? Or are they going to fall in despair? And despair is the opposite of hope. It's having no hope. So basically, according to Erickson... You learn hope as a baby, and you have to hold on to it till you die. It's something that lasts forever. And the big struggle is to keep this throughout your whole life. 
And we all have maybe visited or known that person who's nearing the end of their life and has no hope and doesn't really know what to do with themselves. And you'd like, and they might believe in Jesus. They might have faith. They might have other things, but the hope might, might, might be lacking. And, and God calls us and asks us and encourages us and offers us hope. And we're going to talk about what that is today. But this is Erickson. This is, he's a psychologist person. We're going to talk about what the Bible says about hope. And to do that, we're going to go into a passage that we've been looking at for a little bit uh, in Thessalonians. Now, the Thessalonians lived in a city called Thessalonica, or Thessaloniki in modern language. And this city still exists. This is a picture of it right here. It's, a, it's, the, it's the biggest or second biggest city in Greece. It has a metro system that looks a bit like this. And you have, uh, so it's a big city. At the time of Paul, though, it was not quite this big. Um, it was still a big city, but they didn't have a metro system. And they, and they, and they didn't, and, they, and, and Paul would write these people letters because at the time they didn't have email or phones or, or, any, or cars, really, or any really quick way to get from one spot to another. So if Paul wanted to send them a message, he'd have to write it on paper, hand it to one of his friends who then walked for potentially weeks to get to this person, facing storms, dangers, etc., and deliver to this, this church or this people a letter. So you imagine that if you're going to go to all this trouble to send one of your friends to bring a letter, it's going to be important what you have to say in that letter. You have this idea that it's... it's so these letters are, are something that, that, that talk about uh, encouragement that, he, that Paul wants to give to the church, to the group of believers that lived there. And he wants to tell them about a lot of things, but first he wants to start with, with some words of encouragement. And that's what we're going to read today. And that's where we're going to start off our talk about hope and what it means and what it does. So he, let's, let's get the passage up here. So I'm, I, I skipped the first little bit because I already said it was from Paul. So Paul talks to them and he says, We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. It's like all the time, praying. All, we remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor produced by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering, the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you have become a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. We'll get, we'll get with the boxes in a minute. Um, is that it? Yeah, I think so. So uh, the, the, uh, there was three main ideas, and, 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 and what Paul's saying to these people is basically three things. We thank God for you. We're really thankful for who you are, for what you guys have done, and, uh, what, who you guys are. We, when we, whenever we talk about, about you or we think about you, we're really thankful for you because God has done a really neat thing through you guys. Also, we really like how you accepted the good news. So God, so this is not something about them too. So they were, they're, they're, they, Paul's really happy with how things went with them because they accepted the good news. But not only did they accept the good news, they started doing like Paul did. So Paul, if, if you didn't know, is like a missionary person who went all over Asia and into Europe and would tell people about Jesus. So if they became imitators of Paul, that's because they became kind of like Paul. They started making their lives like ones that, that, like, they started living the same way that Paul was living. They kind of imitated him. He became their model. And then they became models for other believers in that area. So you see that these people are, 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 are the kind of people that Paul wants others to be like. 
and because, because that's, what, that's what he's thankful for. And it's, in some ways, I think it's, they're the kind of people that we want to be like. And when he, at the very beginning of the passage, it talks about three things. They, they work out of faith. They, 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 they labor. They work hard. Out of, the way they do it is out of lo- with love. And they keep at it, no matter how hard it is, because they have hope. So there's all these three things. And as David was saying last week, these three elements, if you have them in your life, um, you're going to have a very significant um, relationship with God. And and that's going to bring you to the kind of life you really want to live. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's figure out what hope is about first. So we're going to do things a bit differently. I have boxes here. And I'm actually going to ask for two volunteers. And I prefer kids or teens. Sophie, you want to come up? And Kiva? All right. So Sophie and Kiva, two girls. Excellent. Come on up. So we're gonna, I'm going to get this, this mic, microphone going here. Stand behind the boxes over here. So let's, just so that people know you, can say your name again. Kiva. Sophie. Okay, mic- microphone works. That's what, that was what I was testing here. All right, so um, how would you like to open one of these boxes? Would you be okay with opening a box? Yep. Okay, pick a box, open it. What's inside? Nothing. Nothing. How excited are you about that box having nothing in it? Not too excited. Not too excited. Okay. <laughs> how about you, 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 you open one, please. What's in it? Nothing. Nothing. Another empty box. Now, how would you, would you be okay, Kiva, what would you think of opening 10,000 of these? How would you like to do that? I don't want to do that. Why not? Because it takes a lot of time. Okay. There's nothing in it. All right. Okay. Um, how about you? Same. Same? How much would I have to pay you to open 10,000 boxes like this? Maybe 100. Maybe 100? Okay. Oh, that's a pretty good deal, actually. Okay. All right. So I'm going to have you guys... Well, here's, here's the good news. I've actually hidden a chocolate bar in there for each of you in one of these boxes. On your marks, get set, go. I taped it, so you can't hear it, but that's a smart move, Sophie. Uh-oh. Behind you. There. <laughs> Anywhere. There you go. So there's one for you and one for Kiva. You get to decide because you found them first, Sophie. There you go. Now, I could, have, I, I could have talked to Corel and hidden a puppy in there, but I didn't think your parents would approve. I'm not no? Okay. Well, Corel has puppies to sell if you guys are interested in having a puppy. They're a plug right there. All right. Thank you so much. Um, thank you. All right. So basic example. There's a pile of boxes. That's good. Um, how much faster was it when they decided, when they knew that there was a reward in one of those boxes? Suddenly, the speed and the endurance and, the, and, and like, I think, I, had I had 10,000 boxes and promised that there was chocolate bars in maybe a fifth of those, 
we'd have all of you guys up here. Guaranteed. Because when there's a hope of a reward, when there's the, the idea of a reward in one of the boxes, suddenly there's an excitement with that that comes there. And that excitement, that anticipation, that feeling in your heart is called hope. Now, for this to work, there is a certain prerequisite. You need to actually believe that it's possible that I put something in there. Had I said there was a car in one of these boxes, neither of them would have been very excited to look because, honestly, a car would not fit in these boxes. And if it did fit, they probably weren't interested in, 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 in it. It wouldn't drive them very far. Or a, a million, if I said there was a million dollars, you guys know I'm, I don't have a million dollars. I wouldn't have put it in one of those boxes, even if I did. So, so again, you have to have believe that it's possible. So the first thing for hope to exist, you have to have a belief, a faith. And that faith makes it you believe that it's possible that it could happen. Second thing you need to have is a belief in the character of the person who's telling you. Had I done something horrible to Kiva in the past and put like a scorpion in one of the boxes, she would never have wanted to open a box ever again because the character of the person. So it's the same idea for us to have hope. We need to trust the character of the person. So often, if you believe that God is a mean, vindictive type of person, you, don't, you won't trust God and ask him for things because you believe God is mean and vindictive. You have to have that kind of hope. Hope is dependent on what you believe about the character of the person. Finally, even if you have those two things, even if you believe it's possible, even if you believe that the person isn't out to get you, you still, want, you still have to want the chocolate bar. You still have the choice to say, well, it's not really worth it. Opening a box, it's not really worth it. I'm not tired. I had a long day yesterday. They can have the chocolate bar. I'm okay with that. And then, and then the same idea. So you need to have that. You still have that decision. So the three things that are needed for hope to, to actually happen is a desire, a belief in the character of the person, and, and believing that it's possible. So faith comes before hope. Also, hope is different than wish. If you're walking in the woods, and I have a picture of a wood, if you're walking in the woods, and you've been there for two hours, you might wish that a bus would come pick you up and take you home. But you don't have much hope of a bus coming to pick you up if you're in the middle of the woods. Unless there's a bus stop. The bus stop provides you with hope. You have a reasonable expectation that what you believe will come is a bus because you see the stop. If you don't see a stop, then you don't necessarily believe a bus will come. You might wish a bus would come, but you don't have that hope. So hope comes with an expectation, and hope comes with a promise. So the way I just define hope, let's go to the next slide. Hope is an attitude of eager expectation. So it's the attitude. It's not just the reward. That, the chocolate bar isn't the hope. The chocolate bar is the, is the end result. The hope is the feeling you feel while you're looking for that chocolate bar. It's that, what's inside you that kind of like, oh, I'm so excited, and that smile that comes with that, oh, I'm, I'm going to be doing this. So hope, a Christian hope, is that attitude of, Jesus is doing something great in my life. I'm excited because of it, and it and it fuels how you live your life. Now, a lot of us have a hard time living with hope. And maybe one of the reasons for that is because we don't believe God's promises. We don't believe that it's possible. We don't believe that, our, that God's character is... The, we don't believe that God is who he says he is. It also might be because we, we just don't really want all the work that goes with getting those things that God wants. There might be an obedience factor in that. I was talking with a friend last night, and, and we got talking about video games, and it kind of fit with what we were doing here. And uh, one of the big video games, and the next slide has a, even a clearer picture of it, is Minecraft. Now, have you guys, who's heard of Minecraft? Can you guys raise your hand? 
all the kids and a lot of the adults have heard of Minecraft. Minecraft is a game that is extremely popular, yet could not be replicated in real life. If I handed my son a pickaxe, told him to go over to the field and play, he might come back, knowing Aiden, in about two hours because he loves doing things like that. But he wouldn't play it for the 500 hours that average users will play Minecraft for because it's an incredibly popular game, and once you get into it, it's very addictive. And here's how the game works. It's kind of like opening boxes, but instead of boxes, you have these cubes, which is the land that you're in. You have a pickaxe, and you start picking away at things. At first, you're like, oh, look, it, nothing's happening. Nothing in the, this, this is just a piece of dirt, piece of dirt, piece of dirt. And suddenly, bing, something appears. It's different from a piece of dirt. It's like a different kind of metal or a different kind of rock. And if you get enough of these, you get to build something better. Like you get a different reward, and th- that reward might make you be able to build a better pickaxe to do it more often. There's actually another video game online that was like in a social experiment. It's called Click the Cookie. And if you click the cookie... It allows you to, another cookie appears. And if you click enough cookies, you get to build a cookie factory that'll produce cookies faster so you can click them faster. And actually this game will go on forever online. And they've designed it so that you have cookie trees and cookies, and it, all you're doing is clicking. But because every time you click, something rewards you with some, some result, you're like, oh, I'm going to keep doing it. And that, and that feeling while you click, while you play, that something bigger, something better is going to happen if I keep doing this, is the hope that it's fueling you forward, that belief that it's going to be worth it. What the end result is going to be great. I'm going to keep doing it. Games that are really successful do this well. Games that aren't very successful don't do this well. Some games are really too hard. You start playing, or if you're too young to play a game and you've tried it and it just keeps dying and it doesn't work or whatever, then what happens is you have a few options. Either you give up, which is a lot of people do. Oh, this game isn't worth it. I'm going to just go get something else. Or... You cheat, you find, a, you, know, you find a code online or something that allows you to change the game so that you can win it easier, or you go get help, or sometimes it doesn't get too hard and you just get bored of it because you got all the rewards and you realized, ah, this isn't really wasn't, wasn't as fun as I thought it was. Now I have everything I need, but it doesn't really match what I need. You get fatigued of it. This is about video games, but it's also about life because in life, it works the same way. Adults don't necessarily get bing, rewards every time they do something at work or, or, or do something around the house or do a chore or whatever. But the world tells us that every two weeks when you get your paycheck, what you receive there can be used to get all these great rewards. And if you do it enough, maybe you can get extra family time, bonus, or great vacation, or new clothes, or great restaurants. Or you, and, then, and if you do it long enough, you get like security when you retire. Or your kids will be taken care of. And these great promises that you get because you, you keep working and you keep at it. And that's your endurance, that reward cycle. Um, and the hope you have in that reward cycle creates your endurance and why you keep doing the job as well as you do it. And, and, and sometimes it's not only, you know, some people um, are really motivated by this and they work hard because they want to keep getting these rewards, this money, this, this fund that allows them to get to the next thing. So really, adults are just all playing basically a big video game. But you know, for adults, just like for kids, the same result is the same. Once life doesn't, once, once the reward cycle doesn't work the way we had planned it, once it gets too hard, adults who don't, when the hope starts fading, you don't think that you're going to be able to get the rewards fast enough, 
you start, adults do the same thing. They start cheating. And the Bible calls that sin. You start breaking the rules to get what you want to be satisfied in the life that you have. Or a lot of people give up. Or they'll change games. They're like, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not going to do the big money thing, but I'm going to be the most popular person. And you start collecting relationships. Or I'm going to do the most good. So you start collecting good deeds. Because whenever you do something nice, you have this great bing feeling of, I did something good. Or you start doing all these other things because the hope of this feeling that you get from doing it is driving you on and on and on and on and on. And it's a dangerous thing because Jesus says, and this is really important, he says, um, watch out. And I think I, have a, I think I have this verse a little bit later. Yeah. He said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And Jesus is saying here that where, if you choose what the reward is that you want, and you put your treasure there, that's where your heart's going to go. And he says, be careful. Watch out against any kind of greed. If your hope is in the things that, get, that you get, the rewards that you get in this world, if your, if your hope is in the things that are now, your, your, your heart's going to go there too. Christian hope, the hope that motivates us, is fundamentally different from the hope of this world. Jesus offers us a different kind of hope. And the hope, the rewards that the world gives us are all temporary, whereas the rewards that Jesus offers us are eternal and last forever. And if we choose those rewards the hope that he gives us is unbreakable and absolutely life-changing. You start having this, you know, and and this is interesting because Jesus says, and this is another verse from him, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So what Jesus, our hope is not in our our reward in, in heaven. It's in the person of Jesus. So that even in this life, not only in, he- in heaven, yes, he's offering us that too, but in this life, we're going to have a light that will show us how to live. And this life will be the light that will, will brighten the whole world and will live a kind of life like Jesus lived. And our hope is that we can become like Jesus and change the world like Jesus changed the world by following him and, and, and putting our hope in him. But see, the thing is, unlike the hope of this world, which promises you a better life, Jesus does not promise you a better life in, in, the, in, in the way the world understands it. He promises you a better life in the way he understands it, but he actually, what he says, tells, tell, tells us is this. He says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life will save it. And what Jesus is saying here by taking up their cross is he's actually saying, your life is going to be tough if you decide to follow me. If you decide to be my disciple, if you decide to live, put your hope in me, it's actually going to be harder than if you don't. But it will, if you try to save your life for yourself, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose control, and it'll be like that kind of, you know, if you put your hope in the thing of this world, that hope will eventually fade. You'll eventually start cheating or you'll give up or you'll walk away, or maybe you'll come and get help. And maybe some of you guys are here today because it's your way of coming to get help and figuring out, I need to know how Jesus can help me 
live this life. And that's often the good way out of what, where we're at. So, so who, but whoever loses their life, if you intentionally give your life to following Jesus, if that becomes your hope, to follow Jesus always, they're gonna say, you're going to save your life. But what's the chocolate bar then? I mean, what's the point? Like, that's, that's the hard thing, right? Because, yeah, it, it, how does that provide endurance? If Jesus just says life is going to be tough, you have to give up your life, you have to take up your cross, in this world you will have trouble, Jesus says, but I have overcome the world. So you have this trouble, you know it's going to come. Paul, from place to place, wherever he went, knew that he was going to be persecuted, he knew he was going to be th- thrown in jail, he knew his life was going to be difficult. Then what's the chocolate bar? Why endure? Why keep it up? Why choose to live that way? Well, Paul explains it this way, and this, he kind of explains to his people, that he's re- in, uh, the people in Romans, he says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. So one of the, one of the chocolate bars that we get, one of, the, one of the rewards that we get from placing our hope in Jesus and choosing to follow him instead, is that we have a peace with God. So we know we have this insurance in our heart, this feeling in our heart that, that God, is, we are at peace with him. We're no longer fighting against him. We're, not like, we're no longer arguing against him. We've figured out how it's going to work. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So God's glory, the amazingness of God, the one who created all the, one who created all the universe is going to live in our hearts and, and fuel us and, and bring us forward because, of, because he, he is God and we want that glory in our, in our lives. And the next section is even more impressive in my mind. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. So even the tough things in life, even the difficult things, we get, we glory in, which means we get excited about we're okay with. Because even the tough stuff, we're going to be okay about because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The hope that the world promises does not do this. The hope that Jesus promises does this exact thing. Even when, it suffer, even when you suffer, even when things are hard, even when life feels super difficult, we can glory in that. We can be excited about that because we know that God is doing something in us. In this world, if the, you have a hard time, well, part of the game, sorry, everyone has a hard time. Give up, try another game, try harder, work longer. Jesus says, no, this is going to work out in you. In 2 Corinthians, um, Paul says, for our light and momentary troubles are creating in us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So what our little troubles, the troubles we face now, even though they feel, he calls them light and for now, momentary. And they're going to be outweighed by the amazing glory that that comes from Jesus. Yeah. How are you going to live, though? How is it practical? So you, you have this idea of, okay, we're supposed to put our faith in Jesus. We know that, you know, there's a reward at it, like this, uh, this kind of invincible hope, this love that comes from the Holy Spirit that kind of is so much more stronger than everything else. But tomorrow, when I go to school for the first time as school starts, or uh, tomorrow as I go back to work, or as I meet my difficult co-workers, or I have this family problem at home, or as I have this issue with my friends, or whatever, whatever difficult thing is going on, as I'm worried about my finances, how does that affect me now? How do I live from now on? What does hope look like then? 
Because that's the question, right? We all, I think, a lot of us kind of agree, yeah, this is, this is, this is true. This is what the, God, the gospel says. This is what the good news of Jesus is. But often when it comes to the nitty-gritty, everyday thing, it's a lot harder. So the kids helped, about, helped us out with this too. And we're gonna, I ask you to keep that last, next slide for the very end. But for this, you guys, the kids helped me with this box right here called the Box of Despair. And, they, the, and uh, thanks, Esther and Pascal, for doing this with the, them last week too. Um, this is a box that I've prepared, and I, ho- hopefully by the end of this, you guys will never be able to look at a box again without thinking of hope, and I'll have accomplished something there too. Um, so we have here a box of despair, and what I've done, I've asked the kids um, to put in the worst possible scenario they could imagine for when school starts. And I have not really looked at these ahead of time. So it's going to be a bit of a challenge for me, and I'm, I'm, I'm going with the assumption that maybe together we can come up with a hopeful response for what, does, what would Christian hope look like for these different kind of weird situations. So I'm going to pull these at random. I have not memorized them. I have not prepared them ahead of time. I prepared myself a hope sheet that has some verses that might come in handy, but they might not. So if I need your help, I'll ask you, and you might have suggestions too. So we're going to pull one of these at random, and we're going to see a, a, a difficult situation or a trial that someone could face, and we're going to think, you know, what, what does the Christian hope say about this? Oh, it's from Daniel. Oh my goodness. It could become, I could become the joke of the school. That's a real difficult feeling. I could become the joke of the school. Everyone could, everyone could, could look down at me. And I, what am I going to do there? How am I gonna, I'm going to read your next one afterwards, Daniel, because it's even funnier. Um, but what, 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 do you, what would be a Christian response to that? What would happen if you arrived at school and someone found out maybe that you were a Christian or that you went to church and then suddenly you're the joke of the school? What, would, what, what does the Bible say about that? Well, there's a few verses. That, well, for one, who are you really? Well, Jesus says, Ephesians 2.10, that you're God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. So regardless of what the, the school says, God tells you who you are, that you are a masterpiece designed by God to do good works that he's prepared in advance for you to do. That's who you are. On top of that, though, that, uh, there's another verse, too, um, you know, you've heard it said that love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those to, that persecute you. That Jesus says that. So if people are being difficult and hard to you, the, the way of Jesus is to pray for them and love them, that you may be my children, may, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Because as you do that, as you pray and love the people who are mean to you, you're becoming like Jesus. You're taking up your cross. And because, he's being, because these other people are laughing at you, suddenly you're learning to be more like Jesus. It might actually be better that than to be really popular and to have a whole bunch of friends. Your second suggestion, Daniel, is that there may be a nuke in the gym, which would also be which would also be a bad situation. But you know, it's okay because you know in the last day God said that he at the final trumpet he would rise us again. So even if the nuke went off, we'd be okay. Another one. If I threw up everywhere, what could happen? It's okay. You may learn humility. So you might, might, someone might clean up after you. You might have, find a friend. You'll find out who's willing to come and help. Might be better then than later in the, in the year, on like picture day or something. I'm going to get another one. Oh, bad teachers. 
Because I'm talking about me, eh? No. Uh, I like that. No such thing. Um, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope in the future. So maybe if you're not in the class with the teacher you really wanted to be in, be with, maybe that's because God has a great plan for you that year with that teacher. Maybe it's t- it means that there's someone else in that class that really needs you to be there with them and you could help them out. Maybe God's preparing something that will happen in your school, in your place of, you know, in your place of work that you have not, that you've not, that you're not aware of yet. But God knows the plans he has for you. And his plans are not to harm you. So even if the bad teacher seems bad, it's not to harm you that you're with that teacher. God has a plan for you through that. And he's trying to maybe, you know, giving you, produce that perseverance and that character. Should I do one more? One last one. I grabbed two by accident. Losing my laptop. Losing my laptop would be bad, I guess. Forgetting my locker combination. I'm going to read that one verse I read one more time, one last time. You know, Second Corinthians four, verse seventeen: For our light and momentary troubles, which means our little troubles, are achieving for us, are working in us an eternal glory that far outweighs, the, outweighs them all. And it says next, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what on what is unseen. Since what is seen, our laptop, our lockers, is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Last week we learned that faith means you change what you depend on. Hope, once you've chosen to depend on Jesus, hope is placing your trust in what you don't see and trusting that God will provide and take care of you and living in that eager expectation of what God's going to do next. Let's just end with a bit of a gut check here. How hopeful are you feeling today? How hopeful do you feel about life in general? Do you feel like God has a plan? The encouraging thing I can say is that God's not finished with you yet. That he has a plan that will that he's going to carry on. The Bible says, Hebrews 12, that Jesus is the author and perfecter of your faith. So he's going to start it. If you haven't yet have found faith in Jesus, if this is a new idea for you and you haven't really decided yet if you're going to follow Jesus or not, God will, Jesus will be the author of your faith. You get to know him, look at who Jesus is, and he'll start placing that faith in you. And he'll also make it perfect over time. So if you're having a hard time believing what God can do, Jesus is also the perfecter of your faith. Place your, put your eyes on him, and he will slowly work at perfecting, making your faith what he wants it to be in the end. And it's not a race. You don't have to do it all right away. He's going to work at you in, in time as you trust him. So what's your faith about what, where you're at personally? What's your faith about towards the church? Do you believe, like it says in Colossians, that the, the gospel is growing all over the world, which is true. And if it's growing all over the world, it means it's also growing in your schools, in your workplaces, in your places of, in your neighborhoods, uh, because God is at work there. Do you have that hope? Do you believe that God is working and changing your neighbors? 
You might not see it, but we're not putting faith in what we see. We put our faith in what is unseen. And it says in Ephesians 2.10 again, that God is preparing the work ahead of time for you to do. So wherever you go, wherever you're at, God has placed you there and he's bringing you forward. And he, the reason you're there is to, is to do that work that he's preparing for you. So be encouraged. Hold on to that hope. Let me pray for us today as we remember this. And uh, thanks so much for paying attention and participating. Lord, we um, honor you and glory, put our glory in, in you, God. You have been so good to us. Lord, we want out of the game. We want to stop just concentrating on the next best thing we could get for ourselves and start focusing more on what you want for us. Lord, help us put our hope in you and rely on you in everything, God. I thank you for these kids who are starting school this week. Those who haven't already, Lord, I pray that you will um, give them a firm understanding of why they are where they are. Send them as missionaries into the places they go. Pray for the parents as they get into the regular routine of things, God, I pray that you'll fit into that routine more than so, God, that you'll guide it. That you'll show us how to live and how to organize our time so that really you are where we're putting our hope in. I thank you that our reward is not in this world where things disappear and fade and pass away. Thank you that you transform us day by day, God. Help us take up our cross and follow you and put aside the greed of the things of this world. I thank you for the hope we have in Jesus. Pray that this hope will lead to endurance as we go forward. And God, uh, we love you. So, last slide. Remember this. Whose promises are you believing? What game are you playing? What are you eagerly expecting? Where is your hope? Thanks. Thanks so much, Nathan. Um, I just wanted to share a couple of words before we end. Yeah, that was awesome. I couldn't help think when he was sharing some of the kids' fears, if you just change a few words, tweak the phrases a little bit, I bet you'd find some of your own fears of your own. And uh, I was thinking about that as he was sharing some of those. And God's hope is there for us. It's amazing. Um, I just wanted to let you know, before we head out, uh, if anybody's welcome, uh, Lewis and Veronica and, and a couple of us are going to head out to Marathons on Sources in Brunswick for lunch. So if you want to join us and hang out, then you're welcome to. Uh, maybe if, you know, instead of, you can just show up, but it would be cool. Maybe on your way out, if you feel like you're going to come, leave your name at Connections, and then someone can make a phone call and say, hey, prepare a table for X amount of people. So you're more than welcome to join us. Next week, we come back, we, join, we, we finish off our series on love, and uh, Sean Brown's going to share that week. We're going we're gonna to celebrate with communion. Um, and let's be praying for those who are, you know, the kids who are going back to school this week, uh, for people who are coming back from vacation, uh, things along those lines. Let's keep one another in prayer as well. Eric and Chloe, if you guys can just, like, lift up your hands. Where are you guys? They're heading out to uh, Colorado uh, to join a ministry school for a whole year. And so we want to pray, you know, just keep them in prayer this week as they head out as well and, uh, and just lift them up to the Lord. God bless you guys. May God's face shine upon you this week as you head out.